Hey everyone, welcome to the very first episode of Lisa at the Edge. In this episode, I chat with Darren Small. Darren is a Microsoft Intelligent Edge Specialist at Microsoft, covering the Azure Stack portfolio. In this episode, we chat about Darren's role, his background and career so far, why we both love working in the hybrid cloud space, and of course, COVID-19. Hi, Darren. (laughs) Hey, um, thank you so much for being my first guest and a little bit of a guinea pig for my first podcast. You're welcome. Yeah, not all good. It's much appreciated. Um, So today, I just want to talk to you a little bit about your your role, your current role, your uh, career so far in IT. Um, And then obviously we can talk a little bit about the topic on everyone's mind right now, which is COVID-19 and how and if that has impacted your role and how you're dealing with it, etc. I think one of the, um, we'll get to it at the point, but what I'm doing right now is um, something that I try and do on a daily basis in my usual working environment is put myself in you know, uncomfortable situations to learn from them. So, yeah, I'm happy to be the guinea pig and see how I get on with this uh, talking about myself thing, which doesn't come naturally, I must say. Excellent. Well, I, I appreciate that. Um, that is kind of what I'm doing as well. So podcasting, blogging, vlogging are all things that I've thought about. They're all things I've been really interested in. Um in the sort of personal side of my social media I follow a lot of and I have a lot of friends that work in the sort of the online PT business and it's something that I look at all the time and I always find I just find it really interesting Um, and I've always wanted to give it a go Um, and now that we are you know we're on lockdown and we've got some more time on our hands I thought what better time to just so basically I'm just going to trial them all out whether I keep going with them all or not remains to be seen I might find one that I really like um, and just stick with that but yeah I kind of thought let's give it a go and then also um, now that I've I'm sort of six months into my role and I'm kind of settling down a little bit I really want to do more within the the tech slash Microsoft community so yeah, yeah this is me just really giving that a go. Um, no, You've got off to a good start yeah. so yeah I've seen I've, I've read a couple of your blog posts already so no it's off to a good start and I think we, we're in a I think we, the kind of environment that we work in, I think we, we definitely have knowledge and experiences that are worth sharing. And I think, you know, um, I should probably um, follow suit as well and, and do more um, publicly in the, in the community as well than what I currently do. So good on you. Yeah, cool. And um, this will also be interesting because, so we've obviously worked together and we'll get onto that maybe in a little bit. But I don't know much about your previous uh, career in tech. Um, I know that you have a bit of a background um, from the MSP world because I do as well. So it'll be it'll be good to get to know you more, Darren, and yeah. you know this time in a sober capacity. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, yes. So, yeah. If you could start by just introducing um, yourself and your current role where you work just now and and what you do? So um, my role at the moment, so I'm one of the Microsoft technical specialists. 
Um, I sit within the Global Black Belt team, which is a team of specialists and technical specialists. Um, so my, my, my focus domain is, is on our intelligent edge portfolio, which for me predominantly is Azure Stack Hub and Azure Stack Edge. Um, with, a, with a bit of Azure Stack HCI as well. So the, the Azure Stack family of products essentially is, is my, my main focus. Yep. Um, recently, since the Ignite conference last year, um, where we announced Azure Arc, Azure Arc has started to become, um, just by nature of it being a compl you know, very complementary to our hybrid and, and edge platforms and solutions, yep. uh, it's become you know, more and more popular and, and that seems to be coming naturally you know, along the kind of engagements I'm on as well. So, uh, but for me, predominantly the Intelligent Edge portfolio. Um, I, I'm an officially an EMEA resource, but um, being based in or living in Port Glasgow, um, I, you know, I focus mainly on the UK and Ireland. Um, but that's, you know, I could, I find myself traveling a lot. So right now, where I'm used mm -hmm. to working at home, usually when I'm at home, I'm also used to traveling a lot on a weekly basis. So. Um, that just comes normal. And that's one of the expectations of, of my role, essentially. I go wherever the, the intelligent edge uh, solutions go and the opportunities go. So you support the sales team in Azure Stack opportunities and support customers? I do. So I'm not aligned. So my role is I'm not aligned to any one customer or any one partner for that, you know, on that same note. So um, I go wherever the, you know, the customer opportunities or the opportunities are and the engagements are. And it's, my role is really all about customer success. And um, actually, as a global black belt, um, you know, specifically in, you know, what was Azure Stack, now Azure Stack Hub and now a family of products, we're really um, building and creating a business as well. You know, so yeah. we, we bring, you know, we've essentially been part of, you know, a kind of wider Microsoft team, as well as our partners and customers, of course, but bringing, really bringing these platforms to market. Um, and with that becomes a lot of evangelism, a lot of readiness, a lot of workshops, attending conferences and, and so on and so forth. So that really is a massive part of my, my current role as well. Yeah. Um, and that's something that I, you know, I, I love that actually, that's, that's, it's one part of my job that I really enjoy um, and seeing that, you know, being part of something from, you know, before it's even went GA through GA, yeah. onboarding those first customers, making those first customers successful, those first partners successful, and then learning from those and then, you know, continuing to see them grow. And then as the product matures and, you know, we all mature with the product, you know, bringing some, you know, new scenarios and new use cases to life with our family of products. So that began with Azure Stack, now now known as Azure Stack Hub. Yeah. Um, we now, of course, have Azure Stack Edge within the family of products. And we're now, you know, taking a lot of those learnings that we had, bringing Azure Stack Hub to market to Azure Stack Edge, albeit a lot of different use cases, a lot of different scenarios and different types of customers, yeah. um, but a lot of overlap at the same time. But certainly from bringing a new product to market, you know, lots of those learnings were brought across. So that's, you know, one, you know, one aspect and one kind of responsibility that we have as global black belts within the Intelligent Edge team. Yeah, and it's, that's really cool, right? So being able to take and be involved in a product from sort of inception and idea prior to GA and taking that out to the market. Um, that that's that's really cool. So I I remember my first uh, my first interaction with Azure Stack, now known as Azure Stack Hub, uh, was way back in. It must have been like 2015. 
um, when me and Kenny worked at a smaller uh, Scottish managed service provider um, and Kenny was all over it at that time and I remember getting really excited about it as well. I actually remember going to an Azure Stack airlift in Seattle um, and at that time, right, because I think at the end of the day this was so ahead, it was ahead of its game, right, it was ahead of the, ahead of the curve really yeah. and people were still really struggling to get it and my mind was kind of just blown by the fact, um, by this product, like I really got it, I got really excited about it and being able to watch it, like you say, grow up, go out to customers, evolve, etc. I think that's been really interesting. What I find quite, I don't know, um, special about the Azure Stack Hub in itself and then the extending the portfolio is, it very much stuck to its guns in terms of this is this these are the use cases and this is why we are developing this product and every time it's come up against well you don't do this and you don't do that and it's you know let's compare it to let's say another virtualized infrastructure product or, or whatever they've said no no yeah it doesn't do this or it doesn't do that but it's because it's you know we've got a very specific use case that is to it's to extend azure to where azure cannot go for a set amount of reasons and then that's happening again as they extend that into the the sort of larger now portfolio of those products but i think it takes a lot of guts right to to, to see that through um and and to bring something to market that um from an infrastructure perspective is, is really quite different yeah than what people have been used to I, I, you know, you, you're absolutely right. And I think that that was that was one of the, you know, one of the challenges, I guess, when we, you know, before we went GE and then after GE was making sure that we were positioning Azure Stack the right way, Azure Stack Hub the right way. Um, you know, even now, I get, you know, I, I, you know, we lead with Azure, you know, if, if the workloads or the, you know, that data can, you know, can run in Azure and can run optimally, um, that's, you know, that's where we would prefer it to be, right? That's the biggest, the best, the most up to date. You know, that's that's, you know, that's where it should be. Yeah. But we also understand, and you know, and it's all, you know, we get customers that look at me like, are you not the Azure Stack specialist? Yeah. yeah. To, and even you know, they're surprised to hear me say that. Well, actually, you might not need Azure Stack Hub. You know, this mm -hmm. could actually be Azure, or it could be something else. You know, maybe yeah. one of the other intelligent edge platforms. So. You're, you're absolutely right. And I think that we've done a great job between us all, you know, Microsoft, our partners, and even our early customers and, you know, uh, positioning it the right way and then making sure that, you know, that's, you know, the customers are successful with the right platform, with the right solutions for their, you know, for their needs. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think as well, you know, you touched a little bit on the virtualization element and it's you know the originally you know a couple of years back two three years ago we used to used to be this is not a virtualization replacement yeah um but i think there was a message within there that was maybe being um overlooked and that the fact that azure stack hub actually is an awesome infrastructure as a service platform right yes, and i think that absolutely. in the beginning maybe you know even as at microsoft maybe we, we we didn't promote that as best we could because you know we were you know we did a lot of the this you can bring platform as a service you know true azure services to on-prem with azure stack yeah. maybe we weren't focusing too much on the the infrastructure as a service offerings and actually that's what i'm you know from engagements i've been on customers i work with a lot of them start off still with infrastructure as a service and that's absolutely yeah. fine because there's lots of benefits that you get yeah 
true infrastructure as a service. People definitely, people definitely overlook that. And you know, I, I have similar conversations as well where when we're talking about messaging or, or sales, you know, we're talking with sales and how to position to customers, et cetera. And they're thinking about who they need to speak to, whether it's the dev team or the infrastructure team, because they're still, you know, in many customers, they are siloed teams, et cetera. And I, and they've kind of written it off and that they can't speak to maybe the infrastructure team or the team responsible for managing, say, the virtual machines, et cetera. And I'm like, oh no, like you, you can talk to them about Azure Stack Hub, right? Because um, I asked like true infrastructure as a service and making that sort of jump to infrastructure as a code and modernizing that part of your, your operations can bring huge benefits. And I mean, that's what we're seeing as well a lot with um, Azure Arc coming out, right? Big focus on that is being able to take the um, governance and policies, et cetera, that you can implement and automate within Public Azure and bring in the, those benefits to your virtual machines that you might want to run on-premise on an HCI um, infrastructure. And, and I, think, I, think people, I think people really struggle as well to understand that. It's about bringing those both, world, both those worlds together and having them run happily together but ensuring that you've got your workload, your workloads in the right place for use, whether that be on-prem or in public Azure, whether that be on HCI or in Azure Stack Hub. Um, and it's getting that right so that you're, you're getting the most out of each platform, you know? Yeah, that, and that's what I, you know, absolutely. And that's what I absolutely love about the role that I'm in. Yeah. You know, being within this domain, this special domain, I, I think, you know, and. Global black belt, such a cool name. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it's a bit of a mouthful when you say technical specialist and a global black belt global team. Black yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You can, it, it doesn't quite roll off the tongue, but you know, I love being and you know, probably talk a little bit about my background. Mm -hmm. um, but I, you know, I love being within the hybrid space. I love public, all things about public cloud and the technology, the innovation, and yeah. all of that cool stuff. But you know, I, I think you know, certainly a lot of my experience is within that kind of domain where data or workloads cannot move you know for one reason or another to public cloud yet you know yeah. and, and i love the, the fact that we can bring that innovation and you know the the technology and and you know as essentially azure being yeah. you know, being brought to where the customers actually need to be met by one yeah. of many means so yeah i, I, yeah, I, I love that i love that as well i think i really like hybrid as well because and I'm not saying that, you know, up in public cloud, obviously people are doing insane things, right? But when you can bring that to someone on-prem and you can you can solve that hybrid need, I don't know, it just feels very real, you know, and, and seeing people suddenly realize, oh, actually we can get the best of both worlds and, oh, actually we don't need to, you know, chuck everything in the bin and start again, or, you know, we can, we can like you say, it meets the customer where they're at. There's, there's an option for them and then they can move at their own pace um, as well and, or, or not, you know, they may always uh, live in some kind of hybrid world and I think that's the reality these days for a lot of customers. Um, so talking then a little bit about like your background, where you've come from and maybe then explaining, you know, a little bit about why you love this so much. Um, have you always been in a technical role did you start out technical like where did you start um, out in the industry yes i think i've been quite fortunate so when i left school um 
a while ago now. I, <laughs> I, I didn't go straight into college or university, actually. I, I did what we called, um, I'm not sure, I was thinking about this today in preparation for this podcast. It was called a Skill Seeker Programme. Now, it's essentially a modern apprenticeship. Now, yeah. I don't know if that was, so that was done at James Watt College in Greenock. Okay. I'm not sure if that's skill, the term skill seeker or the programs for skill seekers was a James Watt College thing or if that was a, a Scottish thing. I don't know. But it's essentially a modern apprenticeship. Right. So what I done was I went to James Watt College. I was working Monday to Friday um, and I was on this skill seeker program. So you, you start my, my interests were in IT. That's my interest for technology. So I went to work for the the the, the IT department in the college, you know, spinning oh. up students. You know, I was I was spinning up um, students' computers and PCs and stuff in the cl- in the classrooms and doing all that kind of desktop support type stuff. Yeah. But then, because of the Skill Seeker program, I then found myself on occasion in other departments within the college. So at one point, I was in an HR department. I'm thinking, <laughs> you know, what am I doing here? This is not. So having a you know credit to the James Watt College um, Skill Seeker team, I guess, is that I said to them, look technology is where I want to be I want to yeah. stay within the IT department that's where and I want to go down the the qualification route at the time of you know technology so I was doing a started off with an HNC and then the HND and then you, you finally go through into kind of degree level but you do it you do it day release and then you do it evening classes whilst you're working full-time so I thought that for me that's I, I was getting my qualification slower than what my friends were but you were getting real life experience in exactly. that. And I was getting paid as well. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So I was working Monday to Friday, getting real world experience. Yeah. Um, I, I had, I, that was my job. I yeah. was just so happened to be getting educated at the same time as well as getting paid. So it took me a little bit longer. Yes. But as you said, the most important thing for me was that experience. And, and I would recommend that to anybody. I've got a younger brother and sister. And my younger brother's away down a different path, but my young sister is, she's 16 now. And, you know, I, I've said to her to look into modern apprenticeships, you know, because I think, you know, I think they're definitely, you know, really valuable for, just for the sheer fact that you are going straight into work whilst you're getting your education. Yeah, and those are becoming so much more popular. So um, I won't go into my background because it really doesn't make sense for where I am, but I studied law. Um, I went on to do the diploma in legal practice to become a solicitor. Um, but then I ended up doing a business graduate scheme for a company called uh, Talis. Um, and I worked in the maritime mission systems doing bid and project management. And at that time, they were just launching their so similar scheme. So for, you know, like a graduate scheme, but you didn't need to be a graduate. You know, it was like that modern apprentice scheme for not just yeah. technical roles, but then also business roles as well. And I think that that is so important because, you know, yes, my law degree has done me wonders in terms of people just kind of, you know, it opened doors. People were like, oh, you've got a law degree. You must be clever, yeah. which I think is hilarious. Um, but at that real life experience, like you cannot, like I worked from the age of like 14, just in various all different roles. And I swear that those part-time jobs or that real-life experience have done me the world of good in terms of, like, my career. I don't think it can be overlooked in terms of its value. No, for sure. I completely agree. I think it's definitely helped me. You know, I'm I'm not sure. Yeah, I probably would have stuck out college and university full-time if that's what I'd done. You know, I'm, I'm that type of person. But... I'm quite glad I went down the route that I did. So I was quite, I was very fortunate and it's not, it was, 
back back then I didn't plan it really. It was a, you know, someone knew someone. I seen an advert. I knew some folks that worked in the college, and I just kind of fell into it. I always knew I was going to be in tech. I, I kind of I had that feeling. Um, so, and that's just purely because of just some of the stuff that I was just interested in from a personal level. You know, I was one of those guys that was buying, saving up money and buying magazines to do like three lines of code on a Commodore 64. <laughs> That's you know, brilliant. ZX Spectrum. Uh, but uh, so I kind of, I always had an interest there. But being a typical teenager, kind of going through school and doing these exams, I wasn't really sure what I wanted to mm. do. So I'm glad. I'm very fortunate, I guess, that I kind of fell into that. Yeah. And then from, from there, you know, inside the college, they're very, you know, although I actually got, so when I finished the Skillseeker program, um, I'm, I, I got a full-time job, you know, they're like, well, we don't want you to leave kind of thing. You know, so we, they offered me a job. I stayed and I stayed there for, I think it was like three years, 2004. So that was 2001 to 2004. And then I, I, um, I seen an advert for a, a software development company and in, based in Glasgow. It's actually an insurance just behind Glasgow airport. Um, so I went there and worked 2004 desktop support type stuff again. Yeah. Um, but working for a software development company really, you know, is really uh, beneficial for you when you're that, you know, kind of at that age and maybe that experience level. Yeah, definitely. Getting to see not just the desktop support side of things, but how a development, you know, comp uh, corporation works. So mm -hmm. that was really good. I stayed there till 2010. I had, I had various kind of roles and responsibilities throughout that time. Um, I think probably heard them all before. Desktop support, networking support. You know, I was building servers. Yeah. I was building VMware platforms um, when VMware was just very, very early themselves. Yeah. And then, and then I joined IOMART, which is a managed service provider, a cloud service provider, which is where I think we've got some, you know, the um, kind of mutual yeah. experience there, uh, especially in Scotland as well. So we. I worked there in various roles right through. I had a short stint away. I left in 2014 for about six months, went to another IT company and then left and came back to IMR. <laughs> um, but IMR was, was, was great for me. You know, I had various roles, responsibilities there as well. I kind of went yeah. through um, um, various different kind of jobs uh, with, again, different job titles, different job responsibilities. So learning lots, again, from deploying infrastructures to supporting infrastructures to designing infrastructures you know whether that's on premise and then the kind of latter years being in the cloud not just in azure but in AW, you know actually i found myself mostly in the kind of aws um platform um than, than azure when i was at yeah. actually and then along comes azure stack and then we you know at the time we had customers that would be able to take advantage of Azure Stack for the right reasons. And this was before Azure Stack was GA, which is then my kind of foray into the world I'm in right now. So, um, so yeah, it's kind of a kind of whirlwind of my background before Microsoft. I left IMR to, to, to go to Microsoft at the tail end of 2017 after right. being through the motions with Microsoft on, on a couple of occasions before that. Um, yeah. But yeah, straight into the global black belt team, which, you know, knowing of the global black belts maybe didn't, um, because, you know, kind of from the outside, yeah. um, very fortunate to come straight into Microsoft, straight into this team, you know, very, yeah. very fortunate. Um, so, yeah, and here I am, you know, so Azure Stack, Azure Stack, now Azure Stack Hub, now Azure Stack is a family of products. The yeah. intelligent edge is more popular than it's ever been. Yeah. Um, and very, very cool and very fortunate and very excited to uh 
to, to work in this team, work for an amazing company like Microsoft, partners like you guys at Dell and so on. Yeah. yeah it's um, lots of learnings every day. And, um, you know, it's just really cool to be in this kind of this domain of, of edge. Yeah. And that, I mean, that background, right, is really valuable as well in terms of being able to really understand where customers are coming from. Um, having that experience. I also think as well that um, having all those various roles and like dipping your hand in between like building building infrastructure, designing infrastructure, deploying, um, you know, stints in like network support and all this kind of stuff. Yep. I think having that, that, that varied sort of path is so beneficial to roles like this because you do quite often see within tech um, and I'm sure I spoke about this before when I did, I did some kind of talk, the Northeast Chambers of Commerce, I think, or something, um, on the cloud mindset, right, and how cloud requires a mindset shift. And I talked about the, the era of experts, you know, getting all the certification, certifications, aligning yourself to a certain role, working up that path and sort of staying within, you know, that one area. And how for, you know, I think if we actually look back over the past like decades or so, I think it's gone in like peaks and troughs where like the era of the expert was, yes, that's what you actually must do. And then that would sort of die away. And actually what was important is your ability to understand the bigger picture, be able to learn rapidly and, and then sort of pick up different roles. And I, I definitely see everyone who I've kind of spoken to who's kind of where they are now in their career that's been a difference right they've been able to do that and they've been able to jump about and not sort of get bogged down in well i must remain in this pillar as an expert yeah no i i, I mean yeah I, I agree i think um you know even now i'm calling on experience that i had you know three four years ago five years ago even longer maybe in, in some some technologies it might be you know maybe just scratching the surface but it, it gives you the experience and the knowledge that you can have a credible conversation yeah and then you can go and get the answer yeah. you know you can go and speak to the right people because you understand yeah um, at a level what's going on this the problem statement and you know where to go to get the resource to to, to help you or to help your customer and i think that comes from experience and i think you know it was always my ambition to work for a kind of big tech company you know just purely because you know depending on the technologies that you were interested in. I think, you know, being at the cutting edge, working for Microsoft, for example, working on the, the working for the people who are actually developing, you know, the tools and the platforms that you are, you are working on and your customers are working on. I think, you know, maybe there wasn't so long ago, if you're not a developer working for one of these large tech organizations might have been, I wouldn't say impossible, but very, very hard. I think yeah, now, you know, there's, yeah, those kind of apps and infra type roles, you know, the, I think the, the best the best folks in those roles are the, the ones that are coming from those types of experiences that, you know, that, that we've had within service providers working on, on these infrastructures, platforms that we have done in the past. Yeah, definitely. Um, so let's talk a little bit about, um, you, so... <laughs> Let's talk about how COVID-19 has impacted your role. So obviously you were saying that um, you, in your role, you would travel a lot and on a weekly basis. Yeah. And obviously that has stopped 
Um, so for anyone listening, the situation here in the UK is um, we're kind of terming it a lockdown. Basically, we have to stay in our homes unless we are going to get essentials like food, medicine, or going to get those for someone who can't leave the house. Um, and we're also allowed out on <laughs> one walk a day, one walk or cycle, uh, or for some outdoor exercise. Um, we're also not allowed to be um, in groups of more than two, unless you're all within the same household, but you really shouldn't be sort of meeting up with anyone from, a, from another household. Um, and obviously all uh, non-essential business travel has stopped. So from someone who used to travel quite a lot to suddenly not traveling at all, how has that impacted you? Um, so, it's impact, so, so my travel, actually the last time I traveled, I think was the, the third week in February. So I noticed that a lot of our, you know, the customers and partners that I'm engaged in were actually starting to, you know, take heed before I think it was starting to be really serious in, in the UK. It's always been serious, of course, but yeah. before the government were starting to talk about it on a daily basis and in yeah. terms of, you know, there's a potential lockdown coming. So my travel calmed down um, kind of last week, um, second last week in, in Feb. So that was a bit of a, that was a bit of a kind of, a bit of a change for me knowing that, you know, I'm cancelling flights, cancelling travel and then being at home. Mm -hmm. uh, but being at home, when, I, when I'm not traveling, I'm at home working anyway. So the, the environment that I'm, I'm in right now, you know, yeah. my kind of office space at home, very fortunate to have something, a space at home where I can disappear and go and work. Yeah. Um, so from that aspect, that hasn't changed. Um, but the, the fact that the, the travel and the, the kind of restrictions that's put on place, that's a of course, that affects me. But um, like everyone. Yeah. But from a working perspective, it's not. You know, I can't say it's changed much. Actually, I've gotten, you know, from a, a customer engagement and projects perspective, I had a quiet, maybe a quiet, if I'm being honest, I had a quite, fairly quiet week the week before last, um, albeit kept going. And I'm thinking, and that was, you know, when, when you know, the, the restrictions and the, the, the daily advice from, or the daily updates from the, the Prime Minister were coming in. I think people yeah. were getting used to maybe working, planning to then start to work from home. So naturally, yeah. I had a quiet week. And I'm thinking, is this going to be, is this going to be the, what's going to the norm for the next foreseeable, for this foreseeable future? But actually from last week and this week, it's, it's um, business as usual, I guess. In terms business, of, yeah. Uh, from, from a, you know, from, I speak purely from my own domain, you know, yeah. perspective. Um, actually, I'm having to um, respond to various meeting invites to, you know, to maybe try and reduce the time, I think. You know, it, everyone working from home, I think there's there's more meetings. Everything needs to be a call, right? So it's, yeah. you know, do we really need to put an hour in for every call that we have? I don't I don't think so. Let's start yeah. it, you know, at least half an hour. And then is that not enough 45 minutes and then up to an hour? And let's not, you know, let's not start with the hour and not when we don't need it. Yeah. I think I think that's important when, you know, in specifically in this environment we're at now, not, not normal working from home circumstances, um, but the environment that we're in now, I think, you know, we have yeah, to. I think, I think everyone, maybe people who have not been used to working from home prior to this are suddenly like, oh my God, we need to make sure that meetings are effective. We're using our time well. And, they, and then we're kind of going through this like 
little phase where everyone's finding their feet. Um, I, I kind of had a similar experience. I think like, oh, so I work across EMEA. So obviously lots and lots of different countries as well, like you were saying. And I think as it's sort of been making its way through the world and it's been having its different impacts on different countries, things have been quieting down. And it's almost like now we're all kind of in the same boat. Everyone's figuring out, you know, their new norm and then they're spinning up again and then things are happening. Um, I've I've found so prior to this I'm a I'm like a remote worker as well so I don't have an office that I go into and and um, that's something I was really struggling with actually in my first six months so I worked I worked from home quite a lot in my previous role because I live in Dundee and the office was in Edinburgh um but I'd, I'd met everyone that I was working with so therefore I think calls are slightly different and um, I knew I had an office to go into I'd be able to go in chat to everyone etc um, and, but the first six months at Dell, trying to sort of, trying to understand the organization that I'm working with, right, the huge sales organization, um, trying to make relationships and, and then that kind of stuff, I just, I really, really did struggle with it being fully remote. Then I was get, I was looking forward to travel picking up and, you know, I had a few trips booked, like we were supposed to be doing an event in Zurich and we were supposed to be doing an event in Berlin. I was supposed to be talking at Dell Tech World in Las Vegas. <laughs> and uh, I know, and, and all that got cancelled. And I was kind of just getting into the swing as well of being able to sort of take an afternoon and go and work from a coffee shop. Yeah. Um, you know, if I knew I, I, I'd try and have an afternoon where I didn't have calls and I could just sit and do emails and sort of written work. And I was getting, I was getting used to that and I was getting used to sort of managing my own time, making sure I was going to the gym, etc. Um, because it was funny, I, I'd kind of lost all routine, and then this hit, and I, yeah, I don't know, I just got this overwhelming. I must do something, so I started up all this podcast and then blogging, etc. But um, but yeah, I'm hoping it has been a little a little quieter, but I'm hoping that will pick that will. I think yeah. it'll start to pick up. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm I I see I'm just as busy as I've ever been. I think. I, I am I am see I am seeing some effect though we do have some customers it's like okay well we can't go to the office right so yeah specific access access to specific platforms and so on yeah. it's just not possible for some you can imagine some of the use cases for Stack Hub right even Stack Edge you know those customers are you know they're, they're, it's affecting them therefore it's affecting you know me. Yeah. Uh, and and the team and, the, and and Microsoft and our partners as a whole, um, but but out of this is is coming new opportunity as well. And I've actually been kind of looking out to see, you know, is there, you know, and it's one of the great things about Microsoft, very very supportive of this whole you know situation that we're in right yeah. now, in, in the fact that okay, well, you know, there's many many motions going on, you know, from supporting our local communities to support, you know. Out with our families which is priority of course you know supporting our community supporting local charities supporting our customers and partners lots of great advice and I'm reading seeing and hearing cool stories on a daily basis about yes. you know, what we're doing as a, as a business and what some you know some of my colleagues are doing in their case it's really cool stuff I mean I don't know you've probably seen you know you can register in the UK to be a, a, a volunteer and in Scotland, yep. I've done the same just in the past weeks. So I've done that, got got access through to confirm that I can do that. It's just this morning, actually, I woke up to an email. So, 
you know, there's an app to download where you can go and help, you know, deliver medicines, deliver foods. You can, you can even be someone who, um, someone can call or you can call them and just have a chat with them, make sure everything's okay in these times. Yeah. Um, and that's something that Microsoft are very, very supportive of, yeah. you know, which is cool, you know, giving you that time, you know, we just on a call yesterday with our, you know, senior leadership team, um, you know, skip level, skip level, skip level management. And they're saying, look, you know, priority is home. Yeah. This is not normal circumstances. This is not normal working from home circumstances. No. Do what you need to do, but also make sure that you've got time for yourself, time for your family, and then time for if if you're doing the community work, time for the community and charities and so on. And you know, having that backup from your employer is, you know, very, very fortunate. Yeah, I'm so I, I was thinking about this when the when it all first kicked off sort of in the UK a couple of weeks ago. Um the information that Dell have been putting out is insane. Like we have a dedicated page, they've hired medical experts, they've done risk assessments across the globe in countries where they operate. Like the information coming out, it's just, it's just so, so good. And, and also there's been such an effort to bring um, more, more things online, right? And, and make things more virtual. But it's amazing how well they work as well. Like we had, um, this week we had, um, tech talks so this is something that usually happens down in london you can usually access it um online but they put it all online they had a slot every day of the week so the team blessed them covered the same like sort of tips on like zoom microsoft teams um linkedin selling etc across the entire week but every it was so useful so valuable and we got so much out of it and it was just really nice and um yeah there's there's all sorts of stuff going on we were on a uk town hall this morning i don't know how much i can say about it but some of the cool stories as to what we are doing for our customers in the uk you know who are critical to what's going on it's just amazing like the way we're being able to operate and and like you say i think i think out of this will come new opportunities because at first i was kind of thinking right our customers going to sort of say down tools let's not talk about maybe modernization or innovation or, or moving forward and just focus on what they've got or is it going to spur people on to sort of say actually we need to we need to change the way that we're doing things and the way that we're operating so in the future should something like this happen again it won't impact us as much and i think that'll be interesting to see what happens yeah we need to learn from it for sure in all aspects mm -hmm. um, you know, I think so. <laughs> the 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 um, I've always said that I've got faith in the majority. You know, doing the right things and helping each other um, makes me feel better when I hear all these cool stories from you know our customers and our partners and yeah. what we're doing at Microsoft. Almost makes me forget that I can't get a loaf of bread or pasta at the supermarket. Yeah. Which is frustrating, but let, let's be honest, it could be worse. It could be worse. Um, and let's not delve into that topic because <laughs> I will go off on a rant and I probably yeah, need to stop. And me I'll too. probably insult a few people. So <laughs> no, I'm the same. I'm the same. I'm one of the I'm one of the, the, the guys who was taking the moral high ground, like, well, why are you stop buying? Why are you buying all this stuff that you mm -hmm. don't need? And then I'm like, I'm not gonna do that. And then, I do it, and then I couldn't get anything. And I'm saying, yeah. So when I genuinely need to get the stuff, I can't get it. And then when I do get the stuff, I feel as if people are judging me for buying stuff that I actually need. I'm like, ah, oh, you can't win. No, you can't win. I started, you do the right um, thing. 
I've I point blank refused to go into a big supermarket. I've now not been into a large super yeah. supermarket for a week, two weeks. Um, I got meat from my butchers, which do you know what? I feel awful because they are literally two minutes around the road. They're an amazing butchers um, in Scotland, and I am never going back to supermarket meat ever again. Like it's just not worth it. And I'm currently ordering like a mixed fruit and veg box from one of the local businesses in Dundee. They're they're a cafe. They make the most amazing cakes and tree bakes and and all this kind of stuff. They've got a farm shop next to them and a garden shop. They've obviously had to shut down. They've completely changed their business model and everyone's going crazy for home delivery, like fresh fruit and veg. So, and there's loads of little businesses across Dundee that have, you know, they're now like overwhelmed for <laughs> deliveries for fruit and veg and they've always been there. But um, so yeah, I'm just, I'm sticking to that as best I can. And then I'm kind of doing a little bit as well for, for local businesses. I actually, um, talking about working from home and how it's affected me, I've got, you know, some boring information, I guess, but I've got family, family, family living with me since last May. So I've got the, you know, there's four four adults and two grown teenagers in my, so there's six of us in this house. So with them not being at, you know, two teenagers not being at school, the other two adults not being at work, including my other half, Colleen, which is the third. So she's working from home. There's three of us working from home. There's two teenagers doing schoolwork from home as well as watching Netflix. I had to get an upgrade to my broadband line. and Thankfully, uh, managed yeah. to get it in this week. So hopefully the quality of sound is okay because right I now think. there's about four streams of four TV streaming Netflix. So my other half is working downstairs. And uh, yeah, so... My, I was having real problems last week with my, my connection at home, you know, yeah. so apologies to any of the customers and partners that had to speak to me last week. I had to jump to Ford, had to jump to the mobile phone. Yeah. Um, but I guess that's, um, that's a small problem in these circumstances, but from working from home, there's, you know, we have to be comfortable and we have to be um, able to, to work optimally. Yeah, Actually, exactly. um, what, what, so I think we've probably all seen the, the top working from home tips recently, but for me, it's, um, you know, having somewhere comfortable to work, you know, from an ergonomic perspective as well. I'm quite fortunate. Again, I work from home anyway, so I've got a space. Yeah. Um, getting up, you know, getting, you know, getting up, getting in your sh- usual shower, getting ready, you know, having breakfast with the family and then getting to work, I think is important. You know, I've, I've been hearing stories of, you know, my other half, she works for a large bank and they don't usually work from home. Yeah. Um, so they're now working from home. And um, she's telling me some things like, you know, I've got a colleague who's, you know, on his laptop in his bed, you know, like he's, <laughs> he's going to end up with a sore back, first of all, after yep. time. So it's not, you know, those types of things might be all right for the first day, but, you know, get up, get, you know, get on with your day as best, you, you know, as, as kind of as normal as you know, you know, as, as what you normally would, you know, get up and get ready and get ready for the day ahead. And then make sure that you get breaks and get outside if you can. Yeah. And that's that important. definitely something that I like I was struggling anyway like like I was saying kind of getting into a routine getting back to the gym all this kind of stuff and when this like when we first went into lockdown I spent the first week I was really unproductive and I was quite um I think I was just quite overwhelmed and stressed about the situation I tend to be a bit of an overthinker and overanalyzer I started thinking about the entire impact on the country and like the world and like all this kind of stuff and then I had to kind of like bring it back to be like okay Lisa but what you need to do is just concentrate on day to day and doing as much as you can which is what then spurred me on to do all this different stuff 
but then what I found is I'm doing all this different stuff. Um, I've actually been cooking a lot more, which has been really nice, obviously, with my fresh, fresh produce. Um, but I've actually not been making time to get outside. I go, I went like two days without going outside. So yesterday I bought a bicycle. I don't think that I could classify that as essential travel to pick it up, but yeah. I went to get it and then I cycled around to my mum's and she took a picture of me and she was like, you look like you're 14 again. <laughs> so happy to be on a bicycle. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's like, do you know what? I see more people out walking now that they are not allowed out and are only allowed out for a walk than I have ever seen before in Dundee. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I'm not too familiar with Dundee as a place. I've not, it's not somewhere I've spent too much time in, but seeing your pictures on Twitter and stuff, kind of, it looks very familiar to Port Glasgow in terms of, you know, you've got the river and so on there. So mm -hmm. I've seen lots of people out walking and we've got, you know, it's something that you appreciate as you get older, you know, how, you know, how amazing these places are. And I'm quite fortunate. Yeah. I've, got a, I've got a bike track, you know, I've just, my back gate opens out to a bike track and there's never anybody on it. So I can, I can literally walk for miles either, you know, east or west and, and hardly meet a single person, you know, the odd yeah. dog walker. So very fortunate that way. So I can take the dog out or go a walk myself, get some amazing views. Yes, and, we are so uh, lucky in Scotland. That we're so lucky in Scotland, actually, that we... So here's an interesting fact, and I don't quote me on the exact numbers, but I think the population of London is something like 8.9 million, and the population of Scotland as a whole is like 4.8. You know, it just, like, we're just not so on top of each other. We have so much, like, outdoors and space, etc. Um, I, I say this every year and every summer, but once this is all over, like, I, I'm going to make a big effort to see more of Scotland. I mean, we live here, and it's, you know... That's something that we've we've been saying this. Um, I've been saying the same thing for the past few years. You know, we're, you know, you might have seen my Twitter post a few weeks back. You know, I'm 15, 20 minute drive away from Loch Lomond. You know, and I can go another hour along, and I, you know, I'm a ferry away from any of the Western Isles. Yeah. And it's it's been years since I've been to any of those islands. You know, and I think it's yeah. um, definitely I need to make an effort to holiday yes. in my country more often. Vacation. It's the weather, right? It's the weather. You know. Well, I, I am. I love the sunshine. If I, you know, the one thing that we don't have here in Scotland is hot weather. Not just warm weather. I like hot weather. Yeah, yeah. Right. Well, it's been excellent chatting to you. Thanks again for being my, being my first guest and being my guinea pig. We've actually okay. scheduled in a podcast next week, haven't we? For um. Yeah to talk specifically on Azure Stack Hub or the Azure Stack family. Um, and we've got Kenny, Kenny on that as well, Kenny Lowe. Um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to that. We can get in and about the tech, which is always good stuff. Yeah. Um, hopefully I manage to edit and publish this one. I'm going to try, <laughs> why are you laughing? I'm going to try, I'm going to try and get that done I want to say Friday. I'd quite like to get into a rhythm where I publish podcasts on a Friday. I'm not going to commit and say every Friday right now, but um, that's kind of my plan. So that's that's what I'm aiming for. That's cool. I'm not going to listen to it anyway. <laughs> yeah, to be honest, I don't know if I'll listen to it back either. <laughs> um, okay, well, no thanks so much, Darren. Only because I'm on it. No problem, Lisa. Thanks very much for the invite. And um, yeah, 
we'll speak next week on a new one. Yes, on Azure Stack Hub or Azure Stack Family. Nice one. <laughs> Cheers, Lisa. Take care. Bye bye. Thanks for listening to the first episode of Lisa at the Edge. I hope you enjoyed the discussion. If you'd like to join me for a future episode or have a topic you'd like me to cover, please just let me know. Give me a shout out on Twitter at Lisa at the Edge. Thanks.